The following is an encore presentation of Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. Vicki returns to broadcast live in studio starting in November. Enjoy today's program. Welcome to Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. Talk radio to inspire, inform, and stimulate. Bringing you enlightened discussions with authors, creatives, innovative business and health professionals, and ordinary people living extraordinary lives, sharing their expertise and life stories, making a difference one word at a time. Now, here's your host, Vicki St. Clair. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Well, coming up today, I have two experts who are both highly recognized in their respective fields. Coming up around 1230, we'll be talking with Robert Weiss. He's an expert on the intersection of human intercy and digital technology. And has, uh, he's an expert for many, many media outlets, as is Dr. Cardillo, my first guest. Um, but Robert Weiss's new book is called Out of the Doghouse. It's a step-by-step relationship saving guide for men caught cheating. And I had a lot of interest uh, from this, uh, from people who knew we were doing this. So uh, stay tuned. That's coming up at 12.30. But first, I'm very pleased to welcome back Dr. Joseph Cardillo. He's an inspirational speaker and expert on energy teaching. He holds a PhD in holistic psychology and is a national best-selling author of several books in the fields of health, mind, body, spirit, and psychology. Dr. Cardillo has also written books for Harvard Health Publications and his own books, which you can find at his website, josephcardillo.com. You can find a list of them there, obviously, at bookstores, too, uh, include the, including the body energy classic, Be Like Water. And the book we're featuring today is Body Intelligence, Harness Your Body's Energies for Your Best Life. Dr. Joseph Cardillo, welcome back. Oh, thank you for having me. Very pleasure. Yeah, very pleased to have you back because last time you were here, the book is packed so full of information. There were, I had loads more questions that we just couldn't get to. So um, it's great to have you back. And today we're specifically going to talk about using our energy to reverse harmful moods and, and how to plug energy drains, which I think is, is good timing right now, given everything that's happened over the last year and particularly over the last few weeks. So we're great, great to have you back. So, Thank you. So um, let's kick off with, um, let's first of all talk about emotions. You, you say it's easy to fall into negative moods. We can't just pitch our emotions aside. At some, at some point, we have to confront and deal with them in a way that's energetically advantageous for ourselves and those around us. And we can begin to regulate feelings by seeing them as energy, force, and information. Just explain that to us, if you would. <laughs> sure. In, in a um, nutshell, in, right? It's a huge, <laughs> huge thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. First of all, you know, emotions, emotions will trigger uh, in, inside our body and as well as our mind uh, in a millisecond. And so it's, that's what makes emotions so difficult to control because by the time we're feeling it, um, it's already triggered, and so it's hard to stop it at that point. Um, in my book, I talk about emotions um, and what they do in the body and how they're really electrochemical 
uh, changes uh, that, that are activating in our body, and it takes a while for those changes then to, to leave the body or, to, or for us to transform them into something else. So they're really, um, <clears throat> emotions can be difficult uh, to transform, but not, not by any means uh, impossible. Um, you know, it's just, just takes a willing individual. Um, and insofar as energy, we talk about energy, um, in my book, body intelligence, you know, I define energy, uh, as if you could imagine, you know, I'll give you an image. If you could imagine a sort of a, a strand of, of DNA, a braid of DNA, uh, and imagine one strand of that braid, uh, being force or power, the power to do something, or, you know, some people call it juice. Um, and then the other braid being information or data, telling that juice or force what to do. And that's what energy is as it moves through our body and through other things as well. It's made up of both force and information. And when we feel an emotion, we're feeling the force of it, but we're also feeling the information or the data that's being carried by that force. And we can transform it by, by, by dealing with, with, with that component, the information that's being uh, streamed through our bodies right. and our minds right. and also the energy. Right. Excellent. That's a, that's a great visual. That's a great visual. Thanks for sharing that. So from the perspective of mind, body, spirit, we, we know intellectually that negative emotions are are bad for us they're harmful they can be harmful to our health uh, to some extent but you say also uh, positive ones can be if we have you know if we have an overabundance for example if we're too excited we can jump into hyperactivity which is not good for us yeah I think that I think that the key the key to to this is 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 uh, balance um, for example, you're right. When, you know, a positive emotion. You know, if if, if we're feeling really good, um, it feels great. But sometimes, if we're feeling, you know, overexcited, it might not be the time to sign a contract <laughs> because you might go for things that you might not uh, go for if you scrutinized it a little more carefully at a moment when you know you're more peaceful or calm than you are overexcited. So even a good emotion. Uh, or, or, or emotion that we call good, uh, taken out of balance, uh, can can cause us difficulty. <laughs> I'm laughing because I, I can relate to that. In a very recent incident, I got so excited by this beautiful, beautiful jewel blue computer laptop. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I I bought it for the color, I confess. <laughs> uh, but it wasn't what I wanted, and I had to take it back. <laughs> but I got caught up in the in my emotions right there. <laughs> oh, you know, there there's you know, I, probably everybody listening's got many examples of you know when we were you know excited or in a in a, in a special mood, and you know we. We, uh, you know, we made a decision or did something that perhaps we might not have in a different set of circumstances. So it works both ways, you know, positive and negative emotions taken, you know, really uh, in, in an overabundance. Uh, you know, if the force gets to be too much, right. remember we said it's force and information, it'll, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll sway our performance. And I think it's our performance we want to keep in line, our ability to think clearly, our ability to act clearly. Uh, do our job, you know, have energy at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I know over the years I've heard different psychologists and different people who practice different forms of medicine say, uh, list a whole bunch of different emotions. But you say from a mind-body medicine perspective, there are five emotions, joy, worry, grief, fear, and anger. I've heard some people say anger isn't a real emotion, but from your perspective, it is. Um, and you you look at ways that this these emotions keep us uh, healthy and can harm us. And I just wanted to quickly run through those, if we could. You say joy keeps our heart strong and warm. Yes, um, <clears throat> joy joy is um, joy is an emotion that that we you know we associate with with our heart, our you know our deeper our deeper feelings. Um, even even somewhat different um, than 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 happiness or contentment. Um, it really is associated with our, our deeper self, our deeper feelings. Uh, we have that sense of joy, um, you know, when when we've we've touched something uh, that's that that's introspective, something of our deeper self, and and it's happening uh, in in our external lives. Mm. And so worry can be, again, both positive and negative. You say it affects our spleen and our stomach. Yes. And grief, our lungs and, and large intestine. Fear, kidneys yes. and bladder. And anger, the liver and gallbladder. Let's just focus on anger for a second since we're talking about harmful moods. And I think this is probably one of, uh, I don't know, is this one of the most harmful emotions, anger? Yeah, it may be the most harmful uh, anger and fear uh, are, are are extremely harmful and 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 should be dealt with. And and I I look at I look at anger as a sort of uh, uh, almost as connected to fear. Many many times many times um, our anger, if if we explore a little bit, is connected to something that we're fearful about. Uh, so you know a, a colleague of mine used to say that if you look closely at any uh, misbehavior and or misguided behavior, you know whether it's our own or somebody else's. That somewhere in that behavior, you'll locate fear. Mm. And you know, I think I think he's got a point there. Uh, but yeah, anger is something that we want to deal with, and it's also part of um, of a, of a, of, of a, a negative or a harmful aggression. Uh, and so, when you combine those those elements. Um, you can see that it can become, you know, quite destructive. Right, right. So mindfulness is is our emotional key, you say. Uh, in order to energetically change those negative emotional patterns, we have to obviously first be aware of them. Um, and, you know, I've heard so many people say, I just can't control my emotions. Uh, your book is all about how we can control them through using our energy wisely. Um, so, what would what would your response be to someone who says, "I just can't control them"? Well, my my first response is, is they're probably right, um, and it be because an emotion is going to trigger at lightning speed, and because that that's happening, it's very difficult then to control it. So, one of the things that we want to find out um, is. One of, the, one of the things we can use, one of our best tools, is mindfulness. And mindfulness can help us locate a couple of things that I think are important in controlling our emotions. One, mindfulness can help us locate when we're, when we're almost 
in that emotional state that we want to control. And I think in the, in the almost state of mind is when you're capable of stopping it. So if, if we're mindful, either during an event that we wished, you know, we could control a little better in real time while it's happening, if we can make ourselves mindful at that point, or if we can, you know, more likely make ourselves mindful in reflection. If after an event we say to ourselves, gee, I wish things had turned out differently, if at that point or at some other quiet point during, during your day or evening, you look back at the event and sort of trace it backwards, and until you get yourself into the mindset that you were in right before the event triggered, so right when you're in that almost angry state of mind or almost depressed state of mind mm-hmm. um, or almost fearful state of mind, if you can get yourself into that mindset and, and, and identify some of the details that you'll see when you look at that mindset, what you're identifying is the, is the, is the details that are going to become your tipping point. Right, so your triggers. And so although you can't stop the emotion once it's triggered, you really can't because it's, it's, it's happening at, at, at such a, a fast speed, one eight hundred thousandth of a second, that you know, nobody could stop it at that point. You've, you've already done it by the time you recognize it. But in the almost state, you'll learn to recognize those details, and in that moment, you'll have a choice. Right. And so, for example, if if um, if when I'm have if if let's say I work, uh, let's say at work I go to an office meeting and somebody somebody rolls their eyes at me, and when I see them roll their eyes, is one st- like the next time they do it, I'm going to get angry or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to react in a way that right. I don't want to react. I'll say something or something like that then I can start to identify when, when thus and thus happens, when I see an individual roll their eyes, when I see that, I'm going to put the brakes on at that point. And then I'm going to choose a different kind of energy to replace where I would have you know, otherwise uh, gone without regulation. Right, right. Makes sense. Well, we need to take a quick break. Uh, we will be right back. My guest is Dr. Joseph Cardillo. Uh, his body is called Body Intelligence. Harness Your Body's Energies. For your best life. You're listening to Conversations Live. We'll be right back. Please stay with us. Parkinson's disease affects as many as one million people in the United States. At the Parkinson's Disease Foundation, it's our mission to beat this disease. To learn about the Parkinson's Disease Foundation, or if you want to help support our work, visit our website, pdf.org, or call us at 800-457-6676. In the Northwest, Contact the Northwest Parkinson's Foundation at nwpf.org. Hi, I'm your host, Smokey Cole Bear. Filling in for Smokey, because after 75 years of... Only you can prevent wildfires. Turns out there's much more to say. Nearly 90% of wildfires are caused by us humans being careless, dumping our used barbecue coals willy-nilly. Guess the song was wrong. We did start the fire. That's why I respect Mother Nature and her trees, whether coniferous or new car scented. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Looking for unconditional love, an exercise buddy, or a great listener? 
Paws has the dog or cat of your dreams, just waiting to meet you. We've made thousands of perfect matches since 1967 because everyone needs a warm, safe place to call home. Find out more today at paws.org or call 425-787-2500. Conversations live with Vicki St. Clair. Inspiring, innovative, and a great place to advertise. Learn more at conversationslive.net. Don't let that herd mentality lead you off a cliff. We support thinking for yourself on Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair, and we are speaking with uh, energy expert Dr. Joseph Cardillo. He uh, has a PhD in holistic psychology and uh, is a national best-selling author of several books in the fields of health, mind, body, spirit, and psychology. And the book we're talking about today, or we're taking some uh, concepts from today, is Body Intelligence, Harness Your Body's Energies for Your Best Life. Uh, Dr. Joe's been on the show with us before, and um, so I had to have him back to answer some more questions because this book is full of really great information. And we're talking about reversing uh, negative moods, harmful moods, by using our energy. Uh, so, Dr. Joe, in this section, I wanted to look at, uh, you have a whole chapter on using our energy to reverse detrimental aggression. And you start by saying there are two forms of aggression, one that's good and one that's not so good. So let's look at those first if we can. Yeah, there, <clears throat> there's two forms of aggression. And, and sometimes people are, you know, what I find is that sometimes individuals are, are afraid of their own aggression. <laughs> but, but I just want, I, I want to say there is a good form of aggression, and that's that kind of aggression that allows us to get the job done. You know, the person who's in a pinch. And, and, and gets through that moment, you know, the person who's on deadline and gets through that moment, or, you know, the person who has to, you know, do something uh, for his family or do something at work, and it's that aggression that allows us to get the job done. That's good aggression, um, and, and it works in, in, in some of the same ways that negative aggression does. It works, it works in our body by changing our electrochemical uh, activity in the body, but uh, it is also triggered by memories and things that we learn and, 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 and things that we model and so on. And negative aggression works much the same way, only the end result is that we've, we've, we've done something that, that's harmful for ourselves. So the model, the information that's being transferred by the energy, by the force, um, Remember, we said that energy is both is both force and information. The information is harmful to what we're doing at the moment. Right. It may it may not be harmful for some other activity, but it is to what we're doing at the moment. Right. So, from a mind body medicine perspective, uh, you say that we can again regulate and manage the harmful, aggressive, uh, and antisocial behaviors um, that we're talking about here, in particular. By cultivating the subtler and higher quality energy of higher moral judgment, and you're you're not sitting on you're not talking about sitting on your high horse and being judgmental. So would you? Ex- oh, absolutely not. Yeah, no. explain to us what you mean by uh, tapping into your higher moral judgment, if you would. Uh, well, uh, what, what I what I talk about when I when I talk about higher moral judgment is I believe that 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 in the subtle energy of values such as, as compassion, 
uh, acceptance, peace, and love. And I believe that those universal values and, and see I don't I don't think that those are those are the kind of values that that are those are the kind of values that you see in all of nature. And so the energy of those values is is positive. It allows it allows for growth in a positive way. And so when we're feeling when we're feeling uh, uh, a harmful aggression if we tap into the energies of our higher values, and those, again, would be the values of acceptance and compassion, uh, of love and peace, those, those, values will, those values will guide our attention or our focus toward a next step or whatever is going to happen in the situation that we're in uh, that is uh, more appropriate and and that is probably more beneficial uh, for ourselves and the other people around us. Right. So in the book, you, you have these segments called Try This. So you present the solution and then come up with some uh, or the, the problems and then come up with some solutions. And you say, next time you enter the almost zone of negative aggression, practice compensation by telling yourself this is negative energy. Just walk us through what we should do there, if you would. Um, so, uh, could you ask that question again? I think I understand what you're saying, but I just want to make sure I'm, I'm going to answer. Yeah. So if we're finding ourselves entering that, uh, that zone of almost negative energy, we need to stop and tell ourselves, Hey, this is just negative energy. We need to slow down our breath. Don't do anything. Yeah. And, and that, that picks up where we left off right before the break. Uh, exactly. Uh, when we're in that almost uh, mindset, we're almost uh, harmfully angry. At that point, at that point, we still have the opportunity. I, you know, I can't emphasize this anymore because at that point, we could stop something that could be very harmful for us, either you know, a, a violent reaction or uh, you know, a non-peaceful verbal reaction, things that we regret. Uh, bad decisions and so on. If we ca- if we catch ourselves in that almost phase, at that point, just kind of train ourselves to take a breath at that moment, and then think of our higher values. And there aren't the, the values that I'm looking at uh, again are acceptance, compassion, love. And peace. And if we if we kind of zero in on those and say, you know, to ourselves, let these values guide my next step. Right. And I think we can avoid uh, the energy uh, that'll get us into into a regretful situation or get us to do something that's harmful right. uh, for ourselves. You know, you, you see people angry. Uh, all you, you hear about it on the news all the time. Somebody's angry. Car accidents occur. I mean, uh, anger is a, is a is a an emotion that really needs to be controlled. It is like uh, it seems to me it's getting more prevalent. People are less uh, shy, if you will, about exploding when something <laughs> doesn't quite go their way. Um, and it's just a case that you know they're more reactive. Let's say that. Um, well, yeah, and see the the thing with. The, the idea with, with, of energy is that, 
you know, when you look at the when you look at who we are, I mean, we we live in a physical world and our entire physical world is made of energy and our body is made of energy and there are various forms of energy that carry various informations and so on and this energy uh you know if you know the physicists tell us that if we could really see what was there we we would we would see that you know we look like a a swirl of energy exchanging energy at the at the subatomic level with everything around us mm-hmm. um and uh you know I, there, there was a i think it was deepak chopra I, I think it was deepak chopra uh had mentioned that we we circulate a, a quadrillion atoms every three weeks with everything in our environment and so we're exchanging not not just this abstract thing that we call energy but we're extract we're, we're exchanging force and we're also uh, exchanging information with everything in our environment. And so that sounds complicated and tricky, but it isn't. It's so simple. You know, when we're in one of those almost frames of mind, sometimes all we have to do is glance off to the right and look at something nice that's in our environment and download that energy and let that bring peace to us. Yeah. And it can happen very quickly. Uh, the subtle energies will happen at the speed of light. Right. Faster than the speed of light, actually. Right. It's a, a question of training ourselves. Does it, does it just become habit eventually? Yes, and I think that, that that almost moment, I have to keep coming back to that because you're, you, you, the question that you, you asked earlier about, you know, the, you know, an individual who might say, well, I just can't stop it. I can't control right. it. It's true. It's true for that individual at the moment. But, but it's, not, it's not true. You can control it. And... And it, it's, it's a lot easier than we think. For example, you could take, it's really, I don't know how many of your listeners uh, have, are experienced with martial arts or, or, or even uh, other athletics besides martial arts. Martial arts happens to be a good one for this example. If you take a, if you take a, a first week martial arts student, the person is is afraid of everything, is jumping around and, and, and can be manipulated because that person is afraid of so many things. You can manipulate that person. You can manipulate where that person stands in a room if you can get them fearful. About a year or two later, they've learned to catch themselves right before that fear triggers in them and stay cool. Mm-hmm. And that's how they can stand there and say, okay, throw something at me. And I'll block it. Right. Or it's how the baseball player, the, you know, everybody who's ever played Little League remembers, you know, when I was standing behind the plate and somebody from another team who wasn't a friend of mine <laughs> was the pitcher and, and, and was a good pitcher and threw a real fast pitch. And it scared me. I couldn't keep my eye on it. I thought I was going to get hit by that pitch. Right. And then, you know, after they play the game a couple of times, they know how to calm themselves down in that situation, keep their eye on the ball, and sometimes hit a home run. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I so appreciate you sharing this 30 minutes with us. It just flew by here, but um, we've, we've barely even covered one chapter of this book. Uh, for those listening, the book is called Body Intelligence, Harness Your Body, Body's Energies for Your Best Life. You can find my guest, Dr. Joseph Cardillo, at uh, Psychology Today. He writes a lot for them. I also, I saw you have a new health column, Dr. Joe, in uh, Live Happy magazine. 
And I do, and I also I'm also in Mike Strahan's Michael Strahan's new book, uh, Wake Up Happy. You know, and I, it just dawned on me that we were talking about athletics, and right. you know, Michael was using some of my stuff in in his book where where I was an energy management expert uh, for that right. for, for him in that book. And I know also uh, there's a ton of great information up at uh, Dr. Joe's website, josephcardillo.com. josephcardillo.com, you can find blog posts and videos up there. So um, great place to go look. And the book again, Body Intelligence. Dr. Joseph Cardillo, thank you so much for being with us today. Appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. We need to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be joined by uh, Robert Weiss, and we're going to be talking about Out of the Doghouse. You're listening to Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. Let's see if I... I guess that... <sighs> this just isn't working. Knowing you have a great idea for a book is one thing. Writing it, another. So what's stopping you? Maybe you can't find time. Maybe you don't know where to begin. Maybe you wrote a couple of chapters, then disappeared down a rabbit hole. Or maybe you'd rather someone else write it for you. Partnering with the right coach or ghostwriter can make all the difference between talking about your book and finishing your book. As an award-winning writer and strategic consultant, Vicki St. Clair's storytelling credits span from business, health, self-help, and memoir to New York Times and USA Today best-selling anthologies. Vicki partners with people just like you at the exact level you need. Whether you need a little encouragement, editorial guidance, or full-blown ghostwriting and consulting services. If you're serious about telling the story you know is inside you, stop procrastinating. Let's get your story down on paper. Contact Vicki today. Email Vicki at VickiStClair.com or call 1-800-495-7617. See more about Vicki and her work at VickiStClair.com. Oh, yeah, that could work. Have fun this boating season and be safe. When you're in open water, it's not enough to be a good swimmer. River currents, ocean riptides, and cold temperatures can quickly sweep you off course and disorient you. Don't rely on swim aids such as water wings or noodles. Everyone should wear a Coast Guard-approved life jacket. Make sure you know CPR and never drink and boat. Learn more about boating safety from the professionals at uscgboating.org. Brought to you by supporters of Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. Hey, hon, what you doing with your fun? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to Anti-Ikipoo, the product that gets the stink out, we cover the world of animals. This week, August 18th, it's Harmonic Energy Shifting Sunday with Jude and Paul Potton from the Whispering Dragon Center in the studio. They'll have their Occutonic forks and chimes, Tibetan bowls and bells, Pua Digin rattle, ready to do free remote treatments for you or your animal friends. So plan to join us on Martha Norwalk's Animal World Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. Innovative business leaders know to advertise here. Learn how affordable at conversationslive.net. 
Alternative Talk, 1150 on AM, 98.9 HD3 on HD, 1150kknw.com on the web. And welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. And uh, we are talking in this segment with Robert White. He is a senior vice president of National Clinical Development for Elements Behavioral Health. He creates an overseas addiction mental health treatment programs for more than a dozen high-end treatment facilities, including Promises Treatment Centers in Malibu and a ranch in rural Tennessee. Uh, he's an internationally acknowledged clinician and has served as a subject expert on the intersection of human intimacy and digital technology for many media outlets, including Oprah Show, the uh, New York Times, Los Angeles Times, etc. And he's joining us today to talk about his new book, it's called Out of the Doghouse, a step-by-step relationship saving guide for men caught cheating. Robert Weiss, welcome. Thanks, Vicky. I really appreciate being, uh, being called uh, to be on today. I'm not quite sure Out of the Doghouse is, is strong enough. If somebody did that to me, they'd, they'd be out of the house, period, and there wouldn't be a doghouse for them. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting you say that, Vicky, because I think uh, actually that's a point I, I made in Doghouse, which is that you know, in my experience, and, and much, uh, if not all of my experience, in working with betrayed couples around infidelity or cheating or affairs, that's really my expertise. Um, most women who get broadsided with information about having been cheated on that they really knew very little or nothing about, their first response is rarely, I want to get out of here, unless they've been wanting to. Their first response is usually, where did that truck come from that just hit me? Because right. <laughs> right. I don't know what which day is. It would say it is and where the light is because my whole life just fell apart. Right. Well, the book is actually, even though it's for men to help them once they get caught cheating, to help them heal their relationships or help heal themselves and move on, um, it's actually dedicated to women. And you say at the back of the book, my primary goal is to help your man understand the pain he caused you, the ways in which he's violated you and what he must do to regain your trust. So I think that says a lot about what the book is about. Um, I want to just begin by, let's define what you mean by infidelity, because I think there are so many interpretations. Now, that's a great question, because you, well, I don't know how old you are, Vicky, but I'm in my 50s, and I can tell you back in the day, pre-internet, cheating meant me and another person, in uh, usually in the workplace or some environment where we were having some kind of physical contact, and... Everybody kind of knew it because there was smooching and lipstick and all that kind of stuff going on. But the question you ask is, what is cheating in the digital age? Where I could be looking at someone naked, I'm naked, they're naked, we've got a webcam going, they're thousands of miles away, I don't know their last name, but I'm having a lot of fun with them, mm-hmm. and I'll never see them again. And my spouse comes in and says, what the heck are you doing? And I say, well, my dad looked at Playboy, I'm looking at this, it's just the current version of it, what difference does it make? And uh, thus the question, what is cheating in the digital age? Um, so my answer to you is something that I had to refine or redefine, which is really goes to the heart of what I feel um, spouses have been cheated upon, um, what their primary issue is. Um, cheating in the digital age really means the, betra- um, the keeping of intimate secrets in a, in a profoundly meaningful relationship. So, you know, there, we can have all kinds of infidelity. For example... You know, if I say, oh, this is great watch I want to buy, and I'm going to put $10 aside for my paycheck every week and get that watch, and you say to me, we really need the money for the kids, I'd rather you didn't do that. And then three years later, I come to you with this great watch I bought. See, I put that $10 aside every week, and you never even knew it. Mm-hmm. I'm cheating on you. 
I'm being unfaithful because I lied to you. I made a commitment to you. I wasn't going to do something, and then I did it anyway. And so the experience for the spouse who's being cheated upon, the profound experience, is one of betrayal. It's not just that you slept with a, someone on an app or you, you know, hooked up with porn or you did whatever. It's that you lied to me. It's that this person I thought you were, this person I thought was going forward with me, this person I thought would have my back and never hurt me, has now become the very first, first, first the very same person who's caused me to be wound. Yeah. And so cheating is really the keeping of profound secrets in an intimate relationship. And you hit the nail on the head there because I've talked with many girlfriends and they've or, and and guy friends actually who've said once they get over the initial shock that yes they that other person had sex with somebody else it's nothing to do with that it is that feeling that this is a person I trusted most in the world and they betrayed me. Well, and and you can you know if I uh, if, if I minimize what I'm doing in order to cheat you know I just see it as being hey, you know what, they know, don't know what hurt them, and it really wasn't a big deal. It doesn't have anything to do with my relationship. And it's all fine to think that when you're the only person in the secret, but when your spouse finds out, they're going to feel things like, not only did you betray me in this area, but I'm not even sure if anything you've ever said to me that I can trust. Right. So right. what happens to a betrayed spouse is they don't just lose trust in the area of sexual or romantic fidelity. They, don't, they stop believing anything they've ever been told. Right. And suddenly a spouse will look at someone they've been with for 12 years and say, I have no idea who you are. And that's what men typically don't understand that they have to learn how to understand in order to, to heal a relationship. Right. I just want to go back to something you said earlier, because I thought that was a good point. Um, you know, you said that your parents would look or your father would look at uh, that generation would look at Playboy. This generation mm-hmm. is looking online. Do you see a difference there? Well, I can only tell you what the people that I've researched and worked with tell me, because what my opinion is really not as important as what the people who are going through the experience say. And um, in the book, we did a bunch of interviews and a lot of research among women in particular for this book. And we found almost universally when we simply asked the question, if you find your man looking at a lot of porn and you didn't know that he was looking at it, how does that leave you feel? Two or one, every woman that we spoke to in the hundreds, said, I feel like he's cheating. So think about this, though. Um, Let's say you and I are in a relationship, and you know I look at porn occasionally, and it's no big deal, and you might have your own little way of enjoying yourself occasionally, but we still have a wonderful relationship. Well, if you go to the computer and you find a bunch of porn on my computer, your feeling is probably going to be, ooh, didn't mean to stumble on stuff that's private for him. Mm -hmm. But if you knew nothing about it, and you find this huge stash of porn and interactions on the computer, and you think to yourself, my God, if he's doing this, what else is he doing? Because you had no idea because it was a secret. Right. That's going to be the problem in the relationship. Right. So the obvious form of cheating is sexual, but we also have emotional cheating. And I think that's a huge factor that uh, maybe is, I, I would think maybe that's the biggest disconnect between men and women. I don't know. You tell me based on your research. Well, I think the biggest disconnect is really just how we're built. You know, you see this in Mars and Venus, uh, and, and you really see it if you research men's brains. You know, we have very similar brains, and they look a lot alike when you take them out of our heads. But we really do have different modes of thinking and different ways of interacting and different ways of experiencing certain kinds of experiences uh, by sex. You know, and men typically are more able to objectify and have a non-relationship kind of sexual experience like a lap dance in a club or you know, going into some adult experience 
and note there are a lot of those places around. And we don't necessarily feel like that has to have something to do with relationships. Whereas healthy women tend to, it's not that they don't have casual sex and enjoy it, it's just that they tend to be looking for something like, is this person nice to me? Do they care about me? Are they going to be kind to me? Women, healthy women generally require some kind of emotional um, felt safety when they enter a kind of a casual sexual experience. So as a man, I may think, oh, well, you know, I just had a casual sexual experience with somebody, and what they don't know won't hurt them, so if my spouse doesn't know what's the big deal, but my spouse sees it with an emotional connection because my spouse is female. So she's going to see it as, wait a minute, uh, this isn't just you're doing that in Vegas. It's also about our family, our kids, our relationship. How could you do this if you loved me? And very often the guy who just stopped off in Vegas to do this or that wasn't really thinking about love at all, never crossed his mind. And when he was done doing it, it was kind of like, well, that was like a fun workout at the gym right. where his spouse is at home thinking, if he does anything like that, I think I'm going to leave. Right. And so the level of kind of meaning for something, for a casual, non-intimate, non-affair-like experience is very different for most men versus most women. Um, I think that's how, how I hear it talked about. Well, all good information. The the book is called Out of the Doghouse, a step-by-step relationship-saving guide for men caught cheating. We need to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to look into some of the information in here around what to expect from a betrayed partner in the short and long term and how, if you are the cheater, to make your way out of the doghouse. You're listening to Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. Please do stay with us. My mother was very familiar with her neighborhood, but one day she stopped at the stop sign and she wasn't even really sure where she was at. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Have fun this boating season and be safe. When you're in open water, it's not enough to be a good swimmer. River currents, ocean riptides, and cold temperatures can quickly sweep you off course and disorient you. Don't rely on swim aids such as water wings or noodles. Everyone should wear a Coast Guard-approved life jacket. Make sure you know CPR and never drink and boat. Learn more about boating safety from the professionals at uscgboating.org. Brought to you by supporters of Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. Live well and live strong. Reach her great audience and advertise. Learn more at conversationslive.net. Alternative Talk 1150, the talk of the sound. And welcome back, everyone. <laughs> You're listening to Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. And uh, we're, I'm laughing at the music because we're talking about Out of the Doghouse which is a step-by-step relationship-saving guide for men caught cheating by Robert Weiss. He is an internationally acknowledged clinician. That's a tongue twister. And uh, is a subject expert on the intersection of human intimacy and digital technology. And so we talked in the beginning about what constitutes uh, infidelity and the differences between men and women and how we perceive this. But why the doghouse, Robert? Well, I think that, you know, um, one thing that I've learned over the nearly 30 years of working with cheating couples is that men, when it's a heterosexual relationship, men tend, and the man is the one who's been cheating, we tend to kind of think that we can talk our way out of or buy our way out of or charm our way out of our spouse's anger. And so I've seen many a man fail in his attempt to try to heal a broken a relationship broken by cheating 
by, you know, just trying to be nicer or trying to give gifts or trying to go on vacation or a lot of I'm sorry. Candy is a frequent, <laughs> a candy and flowers are frequent gifts, but they don't heal the wound. And I think that men don't really get that. So I gave them this metaphor. I said, look, you know, I have, the, I have this little puppy a while ago. When she would pee in the house, we'd have to put her outside. She didn't get access to her warm bed or, or the good food and all, all of the scratches that she gets because she had been bad. She had dirty her house, and therefore she no longer had the right to come in and have all the pleasures of being here. And I kind of think to guys, guys, if you've been cheating and you get caught, you're no longer equal. You have dirtied your house. I and mean, your job, by the way, was to help keep the house protected. So you are out of the doghouse. And let me tell you what that means. It, and so I go through kind of step-by-step explain to these guys what it really does take for a woman to feel safe again after having cheated on and know it ain't flowers, candy, and vacation. Right. Because as you said earlier, it's like they've been hit by a Mack truck. And it takes a long time to heal. So many men I work with, and I, God bless them, you know, they say, honey, it's been three months. Are you going to get over this? Or honey, it's been 12 weeks. Or honey, I haven't slept with anyone else in, you know, a year. And she says, but you were sleeping with other people for nine. So why am I supposed to be ready to forgive you after one? Right. And then he says, you know, well, this relationship's never going to get better. And the truth is that a relationship that has been broken by cheating will never be the same. And I think it's important to note that. Right. You know, cheating is like breaking a plate. You can glue it back together, but the crack is still going to be there. That partner will never forget. Mm. So you're going to have to form a different kind of relationship. And again, that takes really acknowledging the depth and, and degree of pain you're caused. Right. I do know couples who've grown stronger afterwards after a lot of work, but they've both put a lot of work into it. Um, I'm, so, I'm so glad you said that because oftentimes, and I think this is a great error in the therapy field, that when a couple has been struggling with infidelity and if the man has been cheating, we kind of slap his hand and say, bad boy. But then we also look at the female spouse and say, well, how are you not meeting his needs? Or, or how did you not support him in this relationship? Or how was your sex life? Or have you gained weight? Or all these things that make a spouse feel like, oh, my goodness, this really is my fault. If I'd just been more of this or that, he wouldn't have cheated. And my message to spouses is that you can dance on the head of a pin, gain 300 pounds, and never have sex with your man again. And, he, that, and, and cheating isn't the go-to answer. Mm-hmm. You know, he can go play golf. He can divorce you. He can get into marital counseling. He can buy a car he can't afford. There are, are lots of things you can do when you're unhappy in your relationship other than cheat. Right. So there's a great quote in here that we've heard a lot. Heaven has no rage like love to hatred turned, nor hell a fury like a woman scorned. Um, so what can a guy who got caught cheating expect from his betrayed partner? Um, he can expect, um, and this is what it means to be in the doghouse, he can expect her not to trust him for a long time. He can expect that the grace of saying things like, well, I was just home a little late, or I'm going to be running, that, that's all over. I mean, you say you're going home at six, you better be home at six. You say you're going to be at work, you better be at work. Your spouse wants to talk to you every hour on the hour, the first week after they found about, out about the cheating to make sure you're not with her. That's not outrageous. You've been lying to her. She wants to find out if you're being truthful. So all bets are kind of off. The spouse feels like, look, you know, you're going to have to suit up and show up for this relationship in ways that you never had before if you expect me to stay. And I believe that most spouses want to stay. Even in the most painful of situations, I do not believe that unless they couple is extremely unhappy to begin with, that once infidelity is found out, spouses want to figure out how to make it work, not how to make it go away. Right, right. 
And so you list in here seven ways you can make a bad situation worse and seven ways to make make it better. Let's just look at maybe two from seven ways you can make it worse. Sure. Um, did you want to name a couple? I don't have the book in front of me. Oh, so okay. Well, let me have the page number here. Um, <laughs> I don't have the page number on but that. While let- you're looking, let me, there is another list in there that I can mention while you're looking for that one. And uh, A couple of people have pointed out to me that they've not seen this in the kind of books on cheating before. And one of the things I did, I wasn't really even thinking about it, was I wrote out for the men kind of a list of steps where you might be getting yourself into a cheating situation you're not even aware of it. You know, like you find some woman at work attractive and you enjoy her company and you're working on a project and then you're staying late and kind of going through all the stages where you don't even know that you're kind of finding yourself pulled into this thing that starts happening kind of before you know it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted the guys to see that there is a clear path to having something like that started and they need to catch it early. Right. And usually the wife knows and they don't listen. <laughs> okay. Well, I found the list. Okay. So, right. um, one of the things is try to calm your spouse down, which you'd think it's probably a natural, you know, men are known as fixers. They want to try and calm down and fix things. Yeah, well, you can't fix this. <laughs> and this is not going to get fixed. But the last thing an angry spouse wants to hear is, honey, just calm down and we can talk about this. Because I think the response will be, F you, you destroyed my life and now you want me to calm down. In other words, yeah, that's. That man is not asking his spouse to calm down because he's worried about her. He wants her to calm down because he doesn't like her yelling and being so angry at him. Right. Unfortunately, we take to we we guys tend to be more on the defense. Kind of like, won't you quiet down? Do you have to be so angry and argumentative? Why are you angry? Can't you let this go? Just don't make a big deal out of it. It is a big deal to that person you are in a relationship with. You got to pay attention. Right, right. So, and another one is, uh, you, you kind of touched on this already, though, is, is to try and buy forgiveness. That definitely wouldn't work for me, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, you can spend a lot of money and buy a lot of gifts, and I'm not saying a spouse won't take them. But, in or, but that doesn't necessarily bought you anything except, um, you know, they may feel good about something they got. That doesn't mean they're going to feel good about you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, Absolutely. So can we take a look at the um, seven, uh, there's a list of seven uh, ways you can make things better. Let's, sure. let's look at a couple of those. Because the first one is to develop empathy for mm-hmm. your spouse. Now, if men and women think so differently and the guy has never been cheated on, I would think that's kind of hard to do. So how do they do that? Well, you can develop empathy in a variety of ways. I mean, if in doghouse, in out of the doghouse, and one of the reasons I wrote out of the doghouse is because I experienced so much pain and so much fear of betrayal and loss in the women that have been cheated on. And I work with really lovely, compassionate, kind men, but they really, because of how men think, as you said, they don't get it. So one of the things I did in there was try to explain very carefully what happens to a woman when she experiences what we call betrayal trauma. And uh, it's a very holistic kind of loss. It's a loss where a woman is looking at her whole life and her whole history and questioning it. And the guy's just thinking, well, I just did that one little thing. Can't you forgive it? Mm -hmm. And she's looking at her whole life and saying, have I made good decisions about everything? So there are such big differences in the thinking process and how and the holistic way that women view betrayal versus men that I I really wanted men to get in the book. This is the pain their spouse is in. And if they understand the degree of pain they've caused and they really do love that person, I think they'll do whatever it takes to make it better. Great. Um, 
Uh, I did. I do want to say, Vicky, I did write a book that I want women, angry women, to read and throw at their man and say, "Here, if you want me back, do this." Yes. <laughs> Yes, and we have to end on this note. Uh, we've only got 30 seconds here, Robert, if you can keep it real short. But the, one of the others is instead of telling her you care, show her you care. It goes back to that you can't talk your way out of a situation that you behaved your way into. If you want, your, want to find your way out of the doghouse because you've cheated, it involves actions, not words. That's absolutely true. Perfect. Thank you so much for being with us. I really appreciate it. Final, very quick thought you'd like to leave our listeners with. I just hope that you don't have, have anyone in your life that you want to throw this book at, but I do hope you have some women who might benefit from it. And remember, it's not for them. It's for them to say, oh, I get it. This is how I'll get my man to understand me. I, I think it's a great book. It's full of great information. And Robert, as I said in the break, I wouldn't throw the book at him. I'd throw the dog <laughs> Okay, well, each to their own. (laughs) It's a great book. It's called Out of the Doghouse, a step-by-step relationship-saving guide for men caught cheating. Um, My guest, Robert Weiss. You can find out more about Robert at his website, which I believe is, yes, robertweissmsw.com, robertweissmsw.com. Thanks so much for being with us, uh, Robert. So much fun, Vicky. Thank you. And I want to thank each of you for joining us today. Uh, If you have questions or comments or feedback on today's show, you can find me at info at conversationslive.net, info at conversationslive.net. You can also find me on uh, toll-free voicemail. You can leave a message at 1-800-495-7617, 800-495-7617. We're on Facebook at conversationslive.net, and we are on Twitter at Vicky St. Clair. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, we'll see you next week. Until then, live well, live strong. Radio is very competitive. Shows soar in popularity and then flame out. Sometimes, however, a real connection is made with an audience and success blooms year after year. For over a decade, Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair has built a loyal following thanks to inspiring and stimulating conversation. Longevity, loyalty, exclusivity. Smart advertisers seek it out. With Vicki's valuable audience, the search is over. Discover the affordable, effective ways to advertise your business. Log on to Conversations live.net that's conversationslive.net today the program that just aired is an encore presentation of conversations live with vicky st Clair. vicky returns to broadcast live in studio in november you can contact vicky at conversationslive.net